Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey Jody, how are you doing today? Hello Paul, how are you? I'm doing well, fantastic. Um, today's topic is owning a condo or co-op. Uh, the differences, or I should say the positives and negatives of owning uh, a, co- a condo or a co-op, and maybe some comparison between condos and co-ops in a single-family home versus the shared property ownership, and we'll discuss those pros and cons. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw the, uh, this past week. So story number one is from Yahoo, and of course, we'll post all of these links up to the uh, website, to the Facebook page. But the, the headline is, Expert Explains Why Americans Need to Get Away from Retiring at Age 65. Um, I read this article, and it was uh, somewhat depressing. My plan has always been that when I turned 62, I would have the option to retire. Basically, what this article is telling everybody is, uh, you're going to have to work longer. Uh, and, and and so they're looking, the government's looking at raising ages on when you can retire, on when you have to take distributions on funds, all these different things. But the, to me, the, the net effect of the article is um, retiring at 62 is not so much of a uh, reality anymore because what they're saying is the money could run out and you could be stuck later on in retirement. Um, my argument is that once you start getting into your 60s, you don't know how much longer you may have, right, on this planet. And so my rule of thumb has always been that I want to retire as soon as I can. And then if I have to work, I have I could pick and choose what I want to do in retirement. But I do want to enjoy some level of retirement before I pass. My family has been notorious in terms of um, passing away in their 60s. So I come from that chain. <laughs> so for me, uh, retiring at 72 uh, probably won't be an option. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll be well into my 70s, but I don't know if I'm willing to take that gamble. So I'm going to focus on retiring as early as I can. Jody, what is your thoughts on this story? Yeah, I, I think that's good advice, Paul. I mean, we we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, and uh, given the fact that you have your own, uh, you know, hereditary, I guess we'll call them health, health uh, challenges there, um, the fact that you are properly preparing for things to uh, to enjoy your life at that point, I, I think it's really smart. Um, you know, it, it. I read this article and it sort of didn't hit me in that way because um, I don't even I haven't even started thinking about my retirement in practical terms other than just saving for retirement. Like I don't I have no idea what's going to happen to me when I'm when I'm going to do it, what I'm going to do. Um, and so, th- so this article did not have the impact that it had for you. Um, it did strike me, though, how, um, how, and as you were talking there about health challenges, how much your life can change post sixty, um, in terms of all the different things that will happen. You know, the financial aspects of it, the health aspects of it, the lifestyle aspects of it, and it made me think: life post sixty for many people changes at the same pace and in the same um, extraordinary ways as your life can change when you're, you know, like 18 to 25 or 30. Um, you know, so many different things happen, I think, over the course of, you know, 60 to 80, let's call it. Um, you can run into 
you know, unpredictable health challenges. You can run into um, very extreme uh, financial situations in terms of health care, in terms of where you're living, in terms of maybe you know, you're in that zone where it's uh, children or grandchildren, uh, children going to college or grandchildren um, growing up. There's lots of so many different things that can happen in that 60 to 80 range. Um, so I think that regardless of um, the regulations that are imposed upon us that we can really kind of do nothing about, um, being prepared for that period of your life is really, really important. And let's step back for a minute. And the whole point of our podcast here is to share to share knowledge and share ideas and to help people be as prepared as they can for their financial future. So um, just making sure that you're ready for whatever comes down the road, I think, is is what I took away here. Very cool. Very cool. And we'll post, of course, we'll post all these articles up on the on the uh, Facebook page. Um, the second story that we're running with this week is New Year, New Money Challenges. Are they a smart way to save in 2020 or a giant waste of time? So I guess the, the gist of this article is that you're getting involved, and, and I think you put it best prior to the podcast, Jody, gamifying your savings and having this challenge of putting certain amount of money per week away and then competing with others. Uh, to me, what I take away from this story is whatever it takes to get you to put money away and save is a good thing. So if gamifying this helps you and you're challenged by others and looking at online progress, everyone's got their own carrot and stick, uh, or is it the carrot and stick? I forget the term I'm looking for, but um, something to motivate you to do the savings. And if that takes a group to motivate you to start saving, that's great. If you could just on your own, put $5 a week, $10 a week, challenge yourself. Like I said, years ago, I got challenged, sort of speak by my friend's grandfather. I've talked about that in, in previous podcasts. Um, and I started putting away $20 a week as a young boy or a young kid. And, um, and then I started ramping that up. Um, over time, uh, that's what got me to where I am today, uh, the fact that I was doing a consistent controlled savings. Um, and, and so no matter what you do, I think it's healthy to put that money away. And if gamifying it helps you, um, go for it. Jody, what are your thoughts on this uh, topic? I agree with you on this article. When I read it, I was, I was, my thought was, this article is the see I told you so article. <laughs> In other words, um, see, saving up a little bit of money every week actually works. And you can read the examples that are in this article, but you know, that's what I've talked about it. That's what we do in our budget. We save up a little, you know, teeny tiny amount of money. We have a budget line for this savings or that, that pile of cash or this envelope to spend on things that we know are coming. Um, this type of savings actually works. And it's for this article is for the people who haven't tried that yet um, to actually get started trying it and then let them, as you said, Paul, make it work for them in the way that it works for them. Very cool. In incremental yep. savings works. It absolutely works. Great call out. That's great. So I think now that we're done with our stories for the week, um, we'll, we'll, it's OK to, and we'll just switch to our next uh, to our weekly topic. Right, the difference um, between single-family home versus shared property ownership in terms of a condo or a co-op, but really the focus on um, the differences 
the pluses and minuses of condo and co-op ownership. So we're going to kind of blend it all together today. Um, my current situation is I've owned both a condo and a single family home. I was happy in both because both of them had their pluses and minuses. I liked the conveniences of the services that a condo provided. When we had our condo, we lived here, you know, we live here in the Northeast. Um, I never owned a lawnmower. I never had to worry about shoveling snow. I never worried about the garbage. Uh, we had pools and tennis courts and um, all kinds of amenities that were built in to the complex. So for us, it was great. If there was a problem with the outside, you would make a phone call and it was supposed to get fixed. I think that's what started to turn me on condo ownership at one point. I learned that I, I, I liked not so much to be in the shared walls because you typically you do have a shared wall with your other uh, condo or co-op unit. So you may get you may get the noise factor, the barking dog. It might be a little bit too close for comfort for some. Um, we really didn't have it as a problem, but a couple of times we would hear the people next door. It was a little too close for comfort. And then the other thing was the rising cost of maintenance for us. Um, it seemed that our condo board was neglectful in raising the bar or raising the rate every year. So they had these great rates for so long, and then all of a sudden they got stuck with some major assessments in terms of fixing roofs and other things. And uh, so they started raising the assessments uh, more uh, higher each and every year. And we got stuck in that pattern. And then the other thing I didn't like about at least the condo experience I experienced was the, uh, l the lack of repairs. Um, there were some outside repairs that needed to be done. And we put the requests in and they weren't getting repaired in a timely manner. Uh, so that was frustrating. Um, and then, of course, the last thing I'll talk about are the rules and regulations. I'm reminded of a story when uh, the condo board president for our condo complex put my garbage back on my porch. I don't know if I ever told you this, Jody, because um, we didn't recycle properly. <laughs> so they put the garbage bag, they pulled it from the garbage pail and put the garbage back on our porch with a note saying that we have to properly recycle. And that was very, very frustrating, like where it's people are too much in your business <laughs> when it comes to that. So um, the, se the self-appointed uh, the, the self-appointed uh, regulator of the garbage. huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 so for us, um, we moved for a couple of different reasons. Really, the primary reason we moved was the homeownership um, angle. We had our son. We could have stayed in the condo. My wife needed to move closer to her work. So we sold the condo, bought the, the, the house. We were going to keep the condo as a rental property, but we were hearing rumblings that there were major problems with the sewer system in the condo complex. So it's a private sewer system. And if something was catastrophic there, the assessments, which are repairs that get peanut buttered across everybody, right, in terms of cost, if those came to fruition, we could be hit with almost another mortgage payment to repair the sewer system. So we got out. I think we got out just in time. Um, I, I, I think it's analogous to us going under the uh, Indiana Jones where he gets underneath the, the wall that's coming down. He grabs his hat before it finally closes. And I think that's what happened to us. So, dun, dun, I, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I know I painted a very grim picture, but I do have to say um, I have a friend of mine who has a co-op. And he has a beautiful experience with his co-op. 
The maintenance is great, great location. The maintenance, uh, they maintain the property. They have a beautiful pool. Parking's great. Um, hallways, everything is kept up. So I really do think that for some people, uh, co-ops and condos could be a great experience. And I think overall for us, if we had to stay in the condo, it we, we could have made it work. Um, I think I just happened to hit a condo that you know probably needed a little bit more work and, 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 and started to get to that point where I needed to invest a little bit more money. So it was sort of mismanaged for a little while. But if you get into a good working co-op or condo situation, it could be really good. So Jody, I'll, I'm going to switch gears. I'll, I'll, I'll send it over to you in terms of what is your current situation when it comes to condo or single family home ownership? Yeah, we live in a single family home now. We owned a home before this one. So two houses under our belt. Um, we've also owned, I've also owned um, two, two separate co-ops. So I've been in that, never owned a condo, lived in apartments and rented, obviously. Um, so have, have been uh, in, in both camps. Um, you know, I think co-ops, whether we're talking about co-ops or condos or generally apartment living, um, those all include a degree of financial commitments that are out of your control, right? If you live in an apartment, landlord can raise the rent. If you live in a condo uh, or a co-op, there's some type of, uh, we'll call it either a homeowner situation, uh, 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 a homeowner's association, or um, you know, a, you own shares in a co-op. There, there's, there are shared maintenance costs that you must bear. Um, but similar to, you know, you, you, owe, you bear maintenance costs if you live in an apartment too, because if the landlord has to fix the elevator, well, he's just going to raise the rent. Um, so there, there is a degree of, of financial commitments that are really out of your control um, that are not so out of your control when you're in a house. I'm, I'll, I'll circle back to the house in a minute. Um, and so you have to go into those situations as well as the home with, with eyes wide open. You have to understand what your costs are going to be and how they could change over time depending on how long you live there. You know, Paul, you described the idyllic uh, situation of, you know, never owning a lawnmower, never owning a snowblower, you know, never had to worry about the garbage, but for that one nosy neighbor. Um, interesting. I'm, I'm, as you were saying that I was curious as to whether or not that same person who gave you the note on your garbage was also, um, in any way responsible for the deferred maintenance on the complex. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm betting that they were. I'm absolutely. betting that they were. She was there uh, quite some time and, it's funny, she'll probably never listen to this podcast, but we wound up using her, she was a realtor, and believe it or not, um, we used her as our realtor to sell the condo, and my wife was... That's actually the personality you want. <laughs> exactly, but we also wanted somebody who was local, who knew the complex, and what's the word I'm, I'm looking for, the phrase I'm looking for? She, she's drinking the Kool-Aid. Who's going to sell our condo better than somebody who owns a condo four doors down from us and could tell you how great it is. Absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so I think for us, and it really worked out well, uh, despite some going back and forth with my wife on the selection of realtor that I wanted, um, it worked out well and we got out and, and, and like I said, we, we really enjoyed it up there. Um, the condo was great and, 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 I know I cited a bunch of negatives before, but there were a ton of positives, right? And maybe that's where we'll kind of turn the conversation to our general discussion today, right? Uh, where we talk about topics. And I think the first one 
I want to jump into is um, what is the difference between a co-op and a condo? A lot of you out there are, are, are thinking about this, and we're going to post a good article that we found to the Facebook page, so you could check it out there. But just to hit the highlights, in the co-ops, you own shares. Um, you don't own any kind of real estate. But with the condo, you do have some real estate ownership. And when I say condo, I'm also talking about a townhouse. Typically, a townhouse is a condo. And a townhouse is a different type of condo. Uh, but I, I'll leave it up to you guys to read the article that we post. Because I think the article does a great job of describing the differences between the two. So um, so take a look at that. But in general, with the co-op, you don't really own any real estate. You own shares in a company or in that building. And you share the responsibility. And depending how many shares you own, you're on the hook for different fees and, and that's how much you're going to pay in maintenance. So it becomes, they try to make it a very equitable model when it comes to the co-op. Um, condo, eh, not so much, um, even though you have a one bedroom, two bedroom, because it's real estate based. Um, in general, your your maintenance fees will probably be close to being the same, whether it's a two bedroom or a one bedroom condo. But once again, uh, do your fact checking, depending on the condo and co-op units you're looking at. Um, what is your thought when it comes to uh, general knowledge about co-ops and condo? Did, were you armed with any of that data before you purchased your, your co-ops, Jody? Full confession, I was not, um, other than just wanting to buy my own place. I, what I was trying to do was get out of the um, rent always going up situation and so went into buying a co-op, co um, which you it's like frying pan to fire, basically, because we got into a co-op. Um, which was a great place to live um, uh, in all ways. Um, but um, after a year or so of working there, ran into this deferred maintenance issue with the garages that were behind the co-op, um, and they were falling down. They would presented a life safety hazard as well as a huge insurance hazard. And the proposal on the table was to you know, get some kind of like almost million-dollar loan to fix these 30 or 40 different garages that were just – cratering by the day um and that would have translated into a huge a huge assessment for the for the co-op um so that's like what what i said you know there are certain things that are that are out of your control that you need to be aware of and some of those things you you can't even assess going in i mean who would how would i have known you know when i was sitting before the board to get approved for my co-op um how would i have known to say are the garages falling down um, and they're certainly not going to tell you, um, you know, you could, you could ask about, you know, uh, maintenance issues and things like that, but your, um, your hands are tied to a degree as, as to how much you can actually find out, you know, and how much you can pull back the curtain. Um, so I think you just need to ask as many questions as you can think of. I think you need to rely on some advice from some people. And here's a situation where you also need to rely on a realtor. A realtor can, should be able to, a good one should help you be able to figure out some of those questions and ask some of those questions. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. You prompted something in my head that I didn't we didn't think about before the podcast. And I'm going to talk about our our financial superhero who we've mentioned on different podcasts before. But I remember him telling me a story when he bought his first co-op or condo. Um, he looked very closely and did a lot of research. He did exactly what you talked about. And the net result was that he was in a beautiful one-bedroom uh, co-op or condo in New York City. 
And he figured out, and he looked at the research, and he looked at the numbers very closely, and the building he was in had a parking garage and had a supermarket and had other retail attached to the property. And what he found was that even though the maintenance was high on a monthly basis, typically it had a track record for the last three months of the year of the board waiving maintenance because they had so much profit coming in from the other revenue streams, from the parking garage and from the, um, the, the, the supermarket, that the net effect was his maintenance was much lower year over year. That's a smart board and that's, um, that's the result of doing homework. That's incredible. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he did his homework. And like I said, we're never going to get him on this podcast, but he is somebody that you would want, we would want to talk to. But it is funny that he, back then, he figured that out. He knew what to look for in terms of buying. So I'm going to focus on, you know, that a bit of advice you touched upon, but really enforce it. Do your research. Ask your questions. Don't rely completely on your realtor. You have to do some of this stuff yourselves. And if you're looking, make sure you're asking these types of questions and doing this type of research. I would have never thought to look at stuff like that, but look at the financials of your condo. Are they keeping up in terms of uh, cost of living increases in terms of raising your maintenance? What has the maintenance been for the last 10 years? Has it been stagnant? Some people might see that as a positive. I could tell you it's a huge negative because they're not keeping enough money in arrears. Look at how much is in savings for the condo or the co-op. How much do they have put away? Because inevitably, things break, things go wrong. Uh, I could tell you my mother and father moved into a co-op and the timing must have been perfect because another good friend of mine, his parents moved into the same (laughs) co-op. And they both moved in, they both loved it until things started happening. Um, the age of the co-op, they needed new terraces. They had a problem with the elevators. They had a problem with the roof. They got to a point where the assessment was was becoming so out of control. I could tell you right now, both my mother sold her unit and my friend, his family, sold their unit to get out. And they had a tough time selling the units because the price of the uh, maintenance was going so high. Over the course of three years, I think it almost doubled. Wow. With a set, And then assessments on top of that. So be careful. I know it's tough, but I know we're, we're, we're painting the scary picture. And it's not meant to scare anybody. But just like we always try to point out, learn from our mistakes. Learn from others that we know their mistakes. And keep your eyes wide open. Right. So I think now we'll jump into the positives of this type of ownership. Right. Because it's not all uh, doom and gloom. Right. So... I could tell you I love the amenities where I was. They had uh, swimming pools. They had tennis courts. They had an indoor basketball court. My mother and uh, they had a uh, pool during the summer, uh, communal barbecues, um, and once again, no maintenance. And, and you kind of, you know, if it's run right, you do share the costs, right? So, which is a good thing. So there's a lot of positives. What, what are some of the positives that you could think of, Jody, when it came to co-ops or condo? home ownership i think yeah i think the the ease of living there is definitely attractive like you said whether it's snow removal or landscaping or you know you might have a gym you might have a pool you might have anything else in the courtyard or whatever that's that can all be great um typically those places are also conveniently located 
um, you know, walking to, you know, a downtown area or, you know, transportation or whatever. Typically, those places are built or exist in um, in places that are convenient and attractive to buyers. Um, I think you just need to assess the, the amenities that you want to have there um, and, and go for it and realize that all those amenities, and I don't mean to turn this back to a negative, but again, just eyes wide open, all those amenities take upkeep um, and make sure that, that um, when you're going into those situations that those, those wonderful things that you're buying into are also properly kept up uh, and, and properly paid for. Uh, over the course of their lives to make sure that they're available to you because the last thing you want to do is move into the place that's got the great pool and then the pool goes out because someone hasn't kept up with the maintenance for it yep that makes sense and and i think to your point our condo in terms of convenience it had it had shuttle service to metro north train station and to local shopping and doctor's offices for people that wanted to not move their car so literally you could rely on the bus service if you wanted to, the private free or it was part of the maintenance bus service, and you could get around. We never took our car to the train station. We would just get on the bus and it would pick us up in front of our condo and take us to the train and vice versa. On the way home, it would pick us up at the train station, drop us off at our condo. So it really worked out well in terms of convenience. Um, but now let's let, we'll, we'll focus a little bit on the negatives, right? Because these are the things, and once again, not to cite doom and gloom, but to really let you guys know uh, what to look out for, right? And some of these things you're not going to be able to look out for. And, and I'm going to cite two negatives that, and this could happen with a house as well. But I had two friends of mine. They both owned separate condos in separate parts of um, uh, New Jersey. And each had a problem. Uh, one had a problem where the condo was on the water. And it was starting, I believe, to sink, the condo was starting, the, the whole unit was starting to sink, the, the whole complex, so to speak, and they were suing the builder. And then I had another friend that had a condo and he sold it, um, but it had issues with the construction, uh, freezing pipes, pipes weren't buried deep enough, and, and some of the uh, infrastructure was shoddy. And they, I believe, also were suing the builder. But, you know, once you start using the word, the word suing the builder, you're probably stuck, right? And, and, and so... Um, just something to watch out for is there are things that you may not be able to have within your control that could happen with condo or co-op ownership. Same thing with a single family home though, right? In terms of you can get mold, there's different things that you could watch out you know, that may happen. Uh, your foundation may sink. There's a lot of things that could happen, right? That are unforeseen, but this goes back to the research, the inspections, all these different pieces. Um, even with a co-op or a condo, I'm not sure if I think we did get an inspector for our condo. I don't know if you used an inspector, a home inspector for your co-op, but we used it for our condo to make sure things looked okay, that we didn't have any water issues and the the, the electrical looked good and all that kind of stuff. What, Jody, what was your take on, um, did you use a, I know I'm switching gears here, did you use a home inspector when you bought any of your co-op units? Yeah, I don't recall if we did. In fact, I'm, I'm almost positive that we didn't. Um, and and jumping off of what you were just talking about, Paul, with, you know, condo complexes sinking into the mud. Um, in addition to those types of maintenance issues and look, maintenance is going to happen no matter what structure you're in, whether you're in, uh, you know, a 30 story high rise apartment and paying rent 
you're in a condo or co-op with a homeowners association or a board with maintenance fees and things like that, or whether you're in a single family home, um, maintenance to structures happens. You have to maintain structures. Um, and so the difference becomes, do you want to maintain that structure within a community making decisions together um, in a condo or a co-op situation? Or do you want to make them by yourself in a single family home situation? Um, I like people, but not so much where I want to let them take over my destiny. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am definitely a single family home kind of guy. Um, in addition to that, I just like crawling up in my attic, you know, and running wires and doing all kinds of things like that. Um, but I, th I think that's really when it comes down to the personality type of who should live where, um, you've got to pick the residence that fits your personality. Do you like, um, getting out there and shoveling snow in the winter from your driveway in your single family home? I don't. Um, even though I live in a single family home, this one, I don't, I don't know anybody who likes shoveling snow. Um, or do you like just sitting with a cup of coffee, watching the snowfall and having someone else out there do it for you? Um, that's an over, overly simplistic, um, uh, analogy, but, but that's kind of where you need to be. You know, you need to fit the, you need to pick the, the home that fits your personality. Um, and then, and then ask the questions that you need to ask to navigate the financial commitment to those residences. Now that makes sense, and I think you hit upon another topic, uh, or another yeah, another topic that I didn't think about, and that's the personality part, right? The the communal part. Uh, I have a dear friend of mine, and him and his wife live in a like I said before, a beautiful co-op, and they have a lot of friends from the co-op, neighbors on the floor, um, next door neighbors, and and they're dear friends now, right? And I think that's really great. I think that's a, such a super positive and. And the fact that you could get friendships from people that live in the co-op, um, I think is great. I think, uh, knock wood for my friend, he's got the perfect storm in terms of beautiful co-op, beautiful neighbors, friendly neighbors. Um, flip it to the opposite, right? You could get into a lousy co-op with neighbors that really stink <laughs> in terms of whatever loud neighbors there, there's a lot of things that could happen it could neighbors happen to put notes on your garbage maybe exactly <laughs> and so i think that you you really and some of that stuff you won't know until you're in or changes while you're there uh, and that could go for a single family home ownership as well right you can have a beautiful neighbor for many years that person leaves and get you get a new neighbor that buys that property and then all of a sudden you're at war with your new neighbor, right? That happens more than, probably happens every day, right? Uh, multiple times a day across the US, right? Um, where personalities are not gelling and you have to figure out how to live with each other. Um, but when you live in a co-op or a condo, typically you're living a lot closer to that person you may not like so much as opposed to a single family home where at least there's a little bit of distance. You're not sharing walls uh, between you and your neighbor. Um, some of the other negatives I think though that, uh, we could kind of jump into, and you touched upon these, but I'm just going to go through the laundry list and then we'll go into discussing them, is the limited control over finances, right? And then watching those maintenance fees, they are just going to climb higher and higher, typically. Um, condo and co-op boards, right, that are going to dictate to you, what, you know, where you could park, what kind of pets you may have or, not, or they don't want you to have, etc. Assessments for the condo, new elevators, new terraces, etc., 
and rules and regulations overall that those are the kind of things that might be negatives that you don't typically get with single family ownership. You own your destiny with a single family home. It's not that shared cost model. Um, but what, do you, what is your take on some of these negatives that, um, that we have listed, Jody, in terms of uh, and maybe add a few more if you could think of them? Yeah, I, I think that all these things you need to assess when you're going in. And I really think I'm going to pivot back to the personality. I think the personality is the most important test um, to figuring out where you want to live. You talked about the, you know, great neighbor, lousy neighbor scenario, Paul. And um, you will still have that in a single family home, but there's just that little bit of distance maybe that allows you to get you know, more than a, a wall's width away from a lousy neighbor. Um, but back to the financial, you need to also assess, um, do you like making financial situation uh, decisions with other people or do you like making them solo? I think that's a really important test to perhaps impose upon yourself before you get into purchasing um, a condo or a co-op where there are shared financial situations for things like amenities or necessities like an elevator, stairways, uh, entryways, you know, windows, doors, um, all these things break. And so they need to be properly maintained and uh, going in with eyes wide open, making sure that all these things are properly looked after um, by whoever's in charge of looking after it uh, or perhaps you getting involved yourself in helping to make those financial situations for the, the, the complex um, are really important. It's a really important thing to assess before you, you jump into this. I mean, it's, if you don't want to make those decisions, if you don't want to, um, to a degree, put, your fight, your, put these decisions in someone else's hands, um, maybe owning your own home is the right way to go. Um, it certainly was for me. I mean, that's the, the main reason that I left other than just, you know, like wanting a backyard. Um, that's the main reason that I left what I'll call apartment living, going from an apartment to a co-op to a single family home was I did not want, um, these types of situations in someone else's hands. I wanted to, um, control my financial future, control the money that gets spent on maintenance and projects and things like that. And, and do it my, cause that's my personality. My personality is I'll do it. Just give me the ball. I'll do it. Um, and so that's why I pivoted to the to the single family home. But some people don't mind that. They don't mind just saying, here, go do whatever you need to get done. That's your personality. Yeah. And I think, you know, th th that was a very good dialogue because it, it brought up two stories for me. And one was I we really were going to keep our condo when we were selling, when we we're looking to buy a single family home. The idea was that we were. Uh, we told our realtor that we were there were no contingency on any of our offers because I did we didn't need to sell the condo in order to buy the new home. Once again, I was thankful and grateful um, that we could do that. Uh, we had enough money to kind of swing it, but our worst case scenario was we were going to keep the condo and rent it and use it as an investment property. But the more I looked at it over time, and we didn't keep, we did put it right on the market and we were lucky enough to sell it. So we did not have to make that decision of, 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 okay, it didn't sell. So we're going to keep it or lower the price dramatically and get rid of it. But I began to think over time because of the maintenance issues, because of the 
potential sewer issue that I mentioned at the top of the podcast, because of all these things, I wanted to get out. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have any kind of association with bad maintenance and skyrocketing costs. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to get out of this thing. So it was not going to be a good investment for us. The other small note that I'm going to talk about is my mother's co-op when she had that, um, the, the board president at the time, young lady, uh, I remember the story. I remember my, my mother and father telling me this. Um, she ran the board and, they, you know, of course, they had to do these assessments. Um, she was a young lady. The, so they were doing damage to her car. Like pe- They had tenants that were upset that were vandalizing her car. And she was sitting on the board because she was the board president. Which, you know, it shouldn't surprise anybody. But um, so once again... Um, you could get into some really terrible situations. So to your point before, Jody, if you have to have control and you're in a co-op and, and condo, you could consider being on the board of your co-op or condo or even going for board president. But just be aware that it might come with some negativity, right? Which I don't <laughs> Just wanna, a little. Yeah, not just a little. Because like I said, this poor girl, um, they did damage to her car on purpose because of board decisions, right? Which were really out of her control and the problem is when you're on that board you can't satisfy everybody never will you know uh, you know some people want to see something repaired and some people don't and 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 you're always going to have that disconnect right uh it's analogous to u.s politics but we will not go there so on that note (laughs) we will (laughs) talk about kind of the recap right so for me I, i took some things away i originally had one point to talk about but you brought up several others jody so i'm going to go into them Let's know yourself. What do you want out of the situation? Know your personality. What is going to be a best fit for you? And write it down. Make that decision. Write it down. Um, I told. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I have a good uh, friend of mine who's a, a friend and colleague at my current job. He decided to buy a townhouse. And he bought it for a number of reasons um, that were personal to him. And he made the right call. Right. He didn't want to get involved with cutting lawns and... His travel schedule wouldn't permit it. So he really sat and thought and discussed it with his significant other, with his wife. This is what we should do. And that's another important thing. So don't do it in isolation. If you're a family, talk about it with your with your spouse. Make sure that you're on the same page. If you're going to buy a co-op, condo, or single family home, make sure you, you both write it down. You both are on the same page with that purchase. Um, and then do your research. Right. Make sure you're researching the financials of that co-op or condo or, or single family home. Do home inspections. I know they'll say that, oh, you don't need a home inspection because it's a co-op. You know what? Pay the 200 bucks. Get someone in there to check the pipes. Look at the electrical. Take a look around the building. It might be money well spent. Um, weigh your options. Right. So if you're looking at a number of condos, do that. You know, Compare and contrast between the different units you're looking at, different buildings you're looking at. Talk to people, ask those questions, talk to neighbors, see if you know people who know people in that building, figure out what the real life is in that building. So there's a lot of things to look at, but I think know yourself, do your research, write it down. Jody, what are your takeaways from today? I think those are all great, and I'm not sure that I can add anything to that. Yeah, eyes wide open, like we always say. Just ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions, right? And especially in a a co-op situation, 
where the board is asking you for, geez, I remember like three years of your financials and all this other stuff. Don't be afraid to turn around and ask them for the same thing. And if they won't give it to you, it's not where you want to live. Oh, well put. That's another good point. Well put, Jody. Well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. Thank you.